Just before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Football Index podcast is supported by Football Index Trader, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. The new season is fast approaching and Football Index Trader.co.uk will be giving in-depth FI-focused previews of every league, including analysis of the pre-season friendlies to help members prime their portfolios for success in the new season. To see the site for yourself, just go to the homepage and click on the Take the Tour button. You can see a whole month of example player scouting from this season and some example member articles too. As an exclusive offer for Figcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25 over on footballindextrader.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 148. Just before we get started, I do need to apologise for some audio levels not being exactly as they should be in the previous episode of the Figcast Extra with Panda. I put full blame on Panda for this. He has got bad podcast etiquette. He has tonally a strange way of speaking. There is only so much I can do. However, I have found a solution. It will be levelled correctly in future episodes and it will sound great i can promise you that but for now blame panda get up in his dms piss him off harry him and get him speaking closer to his mic in future enough of that today i'm joined by a very very i would say special guest and i would say very unique guest index b how are you doing mate hello yes not too bad thank you how are you doing not too bad i'm pretty much a puddle at this point it is so warm in london and i don't know like there needs to be some sort of thunderstorm or, or rain soon because this is this can't go on, can it? There was meant to be one today and tomorrow and yesterday, but I don't think Bloody it's coming. Weather people. <laughs> but do you know what I heard? Someone told me that commercial flights actually help record the weather and how it's going to be. So apparently that's why the weather is oh. actually inaccurate at the moment. I don't know how true that is, but... You learn something new every day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, mate, and a bit more about your Football Index journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I've basically been on the platform since 2017. I did leave it probably about two or three months in after some bad advice from a stockbroker who's my friend. He told me to buy into Litecoin. So I took all of my money out of Football Index and put it into Litecoin at its peak. And Bloody it hell, massively. Mate. That yeah. is a terrible decision. As an apology, he's bought me one or two pints, <laughs> but I don't think that really makes up for what could have been. It does not. <laughs> no, it doesn't. To be fair, at the time in 2017, it was much different to how it is now in the sense of the way that you earn dividends. I think the FI community is significant and maybe it wouldn't have been back then. I wasn't aware of it personally. And then a bit about myself on a personal level. So I work in the media industry and particularly TV advertising, but I do do a bit of YouTube, video on demand, radio, digital audio, and a few things like that. So I've got quite a bit of experience in media now. So I've been in the industry for about four years now. And so you've been tweeting a little bit about Football Index's media activity, particularly with an aim in the TV realm. So why don't you give us a little bit of, I guess, a breakdown of what you've been doing in terms of your Twitter content? Of course. I think working in media and for a media agency, you don't really get a chance to 
work with maybe brands that you're particularly passionate about or that you love. Not to say that I don't enjoy some of the things I do with some of the brands I work with, but I think with FI, it's got a very unique community. You wouldn't find people who are on Bet365 or gambling companies like that tweeting content the way that we do as a community. And I kind of decided to start tweeting stuff about their advertising based off of the fact that I thought there's quite a lot of negativity around the product in certain periods. And I think there always is. And I think it's undeserved a lot of the time. I do understand people's frustrations, of course, but I think certain things are misinterpreted. So I like to put a bit of perspective into it from a media standpoint. A lot of people are always like, well, where's the media marketing campaign? Where's the big marketing push? Yeah, exactly. I think you've tried to allay some of those fears. Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing was the dividend increase. A lot of people were expecting 100%. What were you expecting, actually? I was expecting something pretty aggressive. I think for me, all signs pointed to that way. If you consider during COVID, Football Index took in about £30 million worth of bets. They stopped advertising and and marketing completely, both from a kind of, you know, the general Twitter ads that you do for customer acquisition, etc., they probably stopped using their office as many other people did. They probably got deferred rent, etc. And then if you then consider kind of the tone of the company during that period where they paid out double dividends, which was obviously very generous. And then we had a couple of comments to do with kind of this fated £1 billion market cap. We talked about kind of a summer budget being bigger. It was that tweet. <laughs> What was the quote? I think the tweet was something like this summer budget would dwarf all the other ones that they've ever had put together. NASDAQ coming in September, if you consider that IPOs are coming in September as well. I mean, IPOs are coming in now, just not in this new system. Sell orders as well. Just everything pointed to something being pretty significant to take us at least past September, December, etc. And then past into August 2021. So I guess that was my feeling. I hold my hands up. I was completely wrong, as were 99% of the community. I mean, I don't think many people were betting on goalkeepers randomly coming in, but here we are, right? I know, of course not. (laughs) Yeah. So when I heard about the dividend announcement and that it was going to be told, like, I don't know, maybe a week later or whatever, I thought it was going to be similar to the previous one, which Mm. was 57%, I think, when the share split happened. I was thinking about that as like a base. So that's what I thought it would be. And then I saw a lot of tweets saying they reckon 100%. And even though I didn't believe that was going to happen, closer to the time, I started actually thinking it would. So it gave me that false sense of hope. When they announced the dividend increase, I was actually quite surprised that it was that low. But I think if I look back to how I thought it would be, I thought it was realistic, in all honesty. But I think that really, or that hope really made me want to start giving a bit more context behind or behind Adam Cole's tweet of £1 billion market cap in two years, which I still think it's definitely attainable. He didn't pluck the figure from thin air. I just think, yeah, a little bit more of context maybe should have been provided by FI themselves as opposed to me or anyone else having to tweet things to give people Mm. a bit of confidence. I mean, even if it's kind of like, well this is what we're spending money on and like this is what we're hoping to achieve between now and the end of 2020 and due to covid we don't want to kind of stretch ourselves whatever that context might be i think it was definitely necessary but again i think that's in the past and there's been enough negativity 
and kind of criticism about it, not only from myself on the show, but from pretty much 99% of the community. So I don't want to hammer that tone too much. But before we get into it, I need to plug the Patreon, of course. Exciting news. Well, not really exciting, but Patreon emailed me saying that apparently now European users are going to see their tiers with VAT included and excluded which is kind of you know, <laughs> exciting because there's been a lot made of VAT gate. But if you guys are interested in joining the Patreon, head over to Patreon. So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash F-I guide for more information and join a growing community at the Fig Patreon for, in my opinion, the best football index content around. There's £3, £5, £8 and £12 tiers, all with different great perks. So do check it out and help support me in the show. I'm also going to plug the State of Play podcast it's my other podcast, if you didn't know about it. The only reason I'm plugging it is because Index B said he didn't know about it until last week. So if you head over to at State of Play Pod, P-O-D, then you can check out my football podcast, which is about the top five European leagues and a sprinkle of the MLS as well. So go over there for some great football insight. Got a few miscellaneous questions here. FI Headhunter, which I think he's one of the most frequently asking questioners in the entire of the FIGCAST history. And I think this probably is his worst <laughs> to date. He says, as a B, which is your favourite FI buzz? FI Headhunter from the FIG Discord asking the worst question in FIGCAST history. <laughs> I think I'd go with buying Brentford players and seeing a massive rise in them. I think that has to be <laughs> the biggest buzz for me because I brought like Saeed Benrama, Ollie Watkins and also Neil Mapai when he was with us for maybe less than 50p and then seeing them grow to one pound two pound players yeah that has to be the biggest buzz commiserations as well for the final i'm sure a lot of kind of neutrals wanted to see you guys go up Don't i'm sorry <laughs> no <laughs> i haven't really processed it properly yet i haven't wanted to think about it too much it's very frustrating but it was a terrible game did you watch it i did bits of it I think I actually caught the last 30 and then the extra time, but I mean, conceding that free kick in that level of game is, is not good, is it? It's not. That should have been covered, but we won't go into that because... We'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be here all day. Our keepers and the rest of the team have been excellent all season, so I don't have too many complaints, as frustrating as it is, but yeah, I'll deal with it. Next season, Positive we'll go for up, next season, sure. yeah? You're going up next season? Yeah. I think we'll lose Ben Rama and... Watkins and then maybe one other player probably Rico Henry but I do think we recruit extremely well I remember last year everyone was losing the plot when we lost Neil Mapai and then we just replaced him with a player we already had in the team <laughs> so if we do the same again then we're absolutely fine got a question here from Isle of Man guy from the discord what betting company do you think use tv ads best and what do FI need to do to get to that level? I really like this question. I saw it come across. I think that best on TV is probably Bet365. I posted a thread a while ago about the share of voice between betting companies. And Bet365 was actually only about 7.1, whereas Football Index was 6.6 .6 share of voice. Oh, wow. And what does that mean, share of voice? Sorry, so share of voice is effectively how much... TV coverage they have amongst the category. So I think the biggest was Coral and surprisingly Ladbrokes. But I think Bet365 are the ones that I always remember. They're always in football and I think they buy the right programming. 
what I think Football Index can do better is I was extremely, extremely surprised when I saw that they hadn't bought into football this season. Okay. I thought it was wrong. And I kept on rerunning the run to make sure that I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I actually got one of my colleagues to do the run as well. And he was like, no, they haven't got anything. So I didn't see anything on BT Sport or Sky, which was very surprising. Where are they advertising? So they've got a lot of adverts in ITV4, okay, which is a pretty good environment because ITV4 skews mainly towards ABC1 males. So ABC1 being social demographic effectively. So people with a bit more money or people with full-time jobs effectively. So I think that is a good place. But yeah, I think football on TV is the obvious one, really. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I also think that... Is there potentially a reason for that? Are they more expensive? Yeah, buying into football is a little bit more expensive. Not too much. It very much depends on the game as well. So if you bought into West Ham, Southampton, it's going to be significantly cheaper than buying into like United Arsenal or one of the other top clubs playing one another. So I guess that would be the reasoning. There is also the potential that they were holding back for the Euros. Hmm. I guess that's more of a question to Adam Cole and where he was spending his money. But yeah, I think that could potentially be a reason as well. Buying into the Euros is just significantly expensive. So if they were holding budget back for that, then it would be a bit more understandable. I was just quite surprised by the fact that they haven't really had any presence in football in general. Mm, Huge opportunity as well in the Euros. They have previously advertised in football, which many people would have obviously seen. But I was just surprised that they haven't done it this year in like the Premier League or whatever. What about Paddy Power? You're not a fan of their advertising strategy? Okay, so Paddy Power, this was another one that I was thinking of. But I think more social media than TV advertising. I think their social media is absolutely brilliant. Like They have great campaigns that, I don't know, they just do random things that works well. The Peter Crouch advert's quite funny, isn't it? The latest yeah, one on yeah. TV. But it's weird though, once you do one of those and it's successful, you've kind of got to go and push the boundaries even more, don't you? Yeah, but they've done a huge amount. And I was actually struggling to think of some of the stuff they've done. But I think they had one, like a joke with Ryan Giggs's brother or something like that. <laughs> that was quite funny. The um, loyalty one, right? Yeah, it's the loyalty bonus thing, yeah. I think they've had one with... Who else? I think maybe... The Mourinho one as well. Yeah. I think what they do is very good, but that sits more in a creative industry. And I think as a company, they've just taken that humour and it's a bit artificial if another betting company also tries to jump on the bandwagon. That's another one. I think overall Paddy Power, but for TV, I'd say Bet365 for sure. Got a question here from Grills35 from the Discord again. What is the strangest place you've been stung by a bee slash wasp? So, bees don't sting. Oh, there's actually a story, is there? Uh, <laughs> right, no, oh, I was we're just learning say, some more. We're learning some more. Bees don't sting bees. And I'm a uh, bee, okay. so I haven't been stung by a bee. But I have been stung by a wasp. Okay. When I was a bit younger, I was stung by a wasp in a park after skateboarding at the time underneath a wasp nest but like I was stung by a lot of them and that's the first and only time I've been stung was it bad it wasn't too bad it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be it was uncomfortable (laughs) I definitely wouldn't recommend going out to get stung by one but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think you're a nutter if you go and do that (laughs) bee stings are acidic and wasp stings are alkaline bit of chemistry here for you kids you're teaching me now there you go so if you get bitten by one so say if you get bitten by a wasp that's an alkaline sting 
you got to put your hand or wherever you get stung in with orange juice to try and like neutralize the pH levels. So a bee sting, apparently you want to put alkaline solution on there, like a soap or something like that. If I'm completely wrong, please at me on Twitter, but I think that's <laughs> correct. Also, I got stung once by a bee, not a wasp, when I was younger, right in the middle of my back. And it was horrendously painful, really, really painful. I was at my grandparents' house, like on their balcony, stung right in the back just sprinted inside screaming how young are we talking i think we're talking like eight at this point i was in oh, tears okay. that, yeah, that definitely tears. enhances the pain though surely oh yeah probably probably yeah but right in the middle of the back it's not as painful right just before we move into some more serious questions from some more serious fi chat i need to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by index game they've launched their latest product my ig which helps traders manage their portfolios as well as view real-time spreads and prices across the entire index it's absolutely phenomenal if you guys haven't checked it out please please do so head over to indexgain.co.uk to find out more and if you use the code fig 2020 you get five quid off your first month and if you go for their six month membership you get a month free and five quid off so it's a pretty decent deal if you ask me over on indexgain.co.uk Got a question, as always, from FI Gardener from Twitter here. How would you rate FI's TV advertising and what do you think they could do to improve it? So a little bit about what we just spoke about before. Is the only thing and the only opportunity for FI buying in the sports market or do you see other areas that they could improve in? I do see other areas. Adam Cole's going to listen to this and be like, huh? (laughs) But the key metrics that we measure against for quality are programming, whether the advert is in a center break or an end break, so whether it's in the middle of a program or at the end, center being more preferable, whether it is in peak programming, so half five to 11 o'clock is your peak slot effectively. That's effectively when more people are watching TV, so you'll reach more people. And the last is position, getting a position in break, which means advertisers like to be in the first, second or last ad in an ad break. And I'd probably say with the campaigns that I've managed, they try and target about 40 to 45% of their ads to be in that period within an ad break. But Football Index is actually doing 14%, which is oh, wow, quite okay. poor. So it's significantly below where it should be. Obviously, more people are getting up to get coffee or tea to the or bathroom. going to the toilet or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So less people will see the adverts. As you said, there is that issue of placement of their adverts. And you'll be extremely surprised when I say this, but it does skew female, their mm. advertising. Well, that's not their kind of target demographic or who's on the platform, right? No, exactly. It does skew female. And the reason why it does is because TV anyway skews female. But I think they're clearly buying adults as a buying audience because it's cheaper than buying men. So because they're doing that, it's effectively costing them in, I guess you could say efficiency. I think it'd be a bit more efficient if you're buying versus males who are more likely to join the platform. Yeah. So yeah, I think there is quite a bit that they can do there. Their agency is also a small independent agency in Birmingham. I don't know. It would probably be more beneficial for them to move to a bigger agency because they've got internal deals with sales houses like ITV, Sky, etc. So it will be cheaper to buy their airtime through a bigger agency. But yeah, that's my opinion. And obviously they could have a strategy behind what they're doing. But from my position, I think they could be doing a bit better in Mm -hmm. all honesty. Something I also noticed 
which gives me a bit of confidence for next year and their advertising spend next year is that so ITV you can buy regionally it's split into six regions ITV so if we're served an advert in London someone else up north will be served a different advert effectively but they're only buying on London Midwest and up north so there's three regions that they haven't really tapped into properly yet so I think there's a lot of growth in those regions as well. I mean, they've certainly tapped into the London market very well, I mean, through other forms yes, of advertisement, definitely. but it's good to maybe see that they've looked at where the most football fans live, right? Or like where the football hotspots in the countries are. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's where they've kind of looked at it. You know, there should be more advertisement directed and pushed towards northern cities and cities in the Midlands who are football crazy. And I think it would be in FI's interest to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's just that extra bit that they can go. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. they've got Southeast to go as well, which is considered a wealthy area of the country. And then you've got Ulster in Scotland as well. So I don't think they've been tapped into entirely yet. I think early days of FI advertising, I did see that they have advertised there previously, but not at the level that I would have hoped for yet. But I think that just gives even more room to grow. I think there's more space to develop there. Got a question here from Index Analyst. He's actually got two. He cheekily snuck in a bonus question, but I'll ask you one <laughs> each. How important are advert effectiveness market research projects for influencing the work you do? And do you think FI are engaging in such projects? It is important that they do, or is it a case of any advertising is good advertising? So explain to me what all that bloody jargon in that analyst has just laid out there means, <laughs> and then whether or not you think FI are engaging in such things. So effectively, a lot of clients, so companies from anyone else's standpoint, a lot of companies will basically invest their media budget with us and they'll want to measure the effectiveness of their ad campaigns. And I would say that a lot slash most companies would do that anyway, just because of how expensive and how much they have to invest into advertising in general. Like we have clients that will invest anything from one million or even a few hundred thousand to like 70, 80 million. So it's extremely important that at all levels that their ad effectiveness is reviewed. So they'll use an econometrics agency that won't be what I do, but I would provide data to that econometrics agency. They'll basically use the levels of spend or slash what we've bought in TV terms or whatever other media. And they'll model out the cost per acquisition or cost per deposit, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where I think Adam Cole's estimate of a £1 billion market cap came from. He'll know how much it costs to acquire a new customer. He'll know how much it costs to acquire a new customer when the market cap's £900 Everything he's said... Although everyone has their doubts, I don't think what he said has come just from thin air. He knows from the econometrics data what it will cost effectively to get more people to sign up to Football Index. That makes a lot of sense. I think that kind of approach, knowing how much it costs to acquire each customer and knowing how much budget you should have by X date, it's not really that difficult a formula, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's a model. It's not going to be 100% accurate. Obviously, he's come out and said it with a lot of confidence. So it could be the case that he's given us a estimation that's under what he actually thinks it's going to be. 
or it could just be confidence from him. But then what people also need to consider as well, I think, is that it's not just about how many people Football Index can acquire, but it's also about how much the current users are going to deposit in that period as well. Like I started on the platform with, I think, 50 quid, maybe 20 quid, something like that. And I've just been depositing every now and then. And obviously, my portfolio has grown. So I don't think it's as simple as just expecting a shitload of dividends to come through or like dividend increases, sorry. And then that's how the market's going to grow. I think there's various factors that will influence it. But so if you think back to, I don't know how much you would have deposited yourself initially versus what your portfolio is at now. I think it's fair to say that people's portfolios are going to grow over time because of deposits. Yeah, And that's part of the growth. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's not only just kind of player prices and dividend increases, it's kind of like market depth. It's how much money is being traded within a player that will definitely thicken the market and therefore increase the amount of money in the market. But yeah, that's some really interesting insight. I think the advert effectiveness market research project is something that I haven't really looked into or discussed certainly on this podcast, but a lot of market research projects aren't actually that good. That's what a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of one where I was testing a new PlayStation game And I had to go in there and play it like three days in a row for four hours each day. And genuinely, like at the end, they gave us like a survey and that was that. And like they did a bit of like ad hoc qualitative feedback where we sat in a group and talked about it. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just not engaged. Like people that are part of these market research campaigns sometimes just don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, this is very, very different. Okay, it's not like that then. No, no, no. So... Effectively, I will be emailing someone that works at this Econometrics Data Lab with the amount of people they've reached, the frequency, et cetera, the spend. But this will be for all media, so it'll include like, I don't know, press, digital. And they'll basically use this to determine like what they expect. Or they'll link it with the sales data, sorry. So they'll link it with sales data, or in this case, it'll be acquisitions, deposits, or whatever. And that's how they're forecast where they expect the company to be within a certain period of time. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, it's much more complex and there is a fair bit of money invested into this to make it work correctly. It's not just like a focus group or anything like that. Okay, interesting. It's uh, very detailed and in-depth. Learning every day, you know, bee stings and now what an advert effectiveness market research project is. (laughs) Index Analyst is a very smart guy though, so I'm not surprised that he knows what they are. Bonus question, mainly because I have strong views on this and I think that FI really need to test the effectiveness of their marketing campaigns. What budget split should there be between funding an ad campaign compared to testing its impact? I did see this question and if I'm completely honest, I can't answer it accurately just because the advertising budget will obviously go to me or my agency and the budget they'll use for testing and doing audits and things like that will be separate. So that'll just go directly to the auditors or the econometrics lab that they're working with. But I can tell you that it's going to be very small in comparison to their ad spend, just because advertising is ridiculously expensive. It's a bit crazy. But yeah, I think maybe auditing, which I don't know if they do do, and I'm not 100% they do just because of how low their positioning breaks are at 14% because that's one of the things that will be audited. But that costs about 
40 grand, 50 grand, maybe even more because they're live for such an extended period throughout the year. But I'm honestly unsure about econometrics. So sorry, FI analysis. I've got a question here from Rob Cheeseroy with another two-parter here. Great guest. Could Mr. B please give us a summary of the tools and data resources media buyers use to build a media plan? I was thinking about the tools earlier and I saw the question from Rob and I really like him. He was great when he came on. I know this isn't going to mean much to many of the listeners, but just for you, Rob, the tools that we use are a lot of mediation, tech edge, and then there are some proprietary tools. But if you want to learn a bit more about them, then I definitely recommend you going to the mediation website and tech edge website. In terms of data sources, we've got something called Barb, which measures effectively how many people are watching your ad or a TV program at that particular time. Just to give a brief overview of how it works, there's effectively 5,100 people, I think it is, on the panel, and their homes get installed with a black box that records what they're watching and when they're watching it. And you get a remote basically to say who's watching it at that period of time. And that's how we identify how many people have watched an advert or how many people have watched a program at that time. I think each black box is representative of about 50,000 people. So there'll be, I don't know, you can have one fig and you'll represent 50,000 people who are similar to you in age, hobbies, etc. So that's one of our key data sources for TV. Nielsen data as well we use for digital and TV so we can find out like estimated spends. We can also find out a bit about people's hobbies, interests, etc. Thinkbox is a great resource as well for anyone interested in advertising, particularly TV. They've got tons and tons of research projects and data that's available on their website. And then we've also got like quite a few other data sources that we do use for various different media types. Very interesting stuff. I mean, who knew there was so much going into this stuff? <laughs> Mate, there's loads. There's loads. But only Rob Cheese right cares about this. Only Rob Cheeseright cares about this. <laughs> so much yeah. so that he's got another question. Why is TV an increasing proportion of FI's media buys and should it be? Right. So I think I posted a thread on this. Well, I did post a thread on this. And effectively, just to give a breakdown, in 2017, 9% of the advertising budget was spent on TV. Then it went up to 24% in 2018. 43% in 2019, and then 66% in 2020. And I think the average across the industry is about 55 to 60. But this includes like lower spend clients who are only spending on digital, print, and et cetera, because TV is the most expensive media type to buy into as an entry cost. So at the moment, as I said, this year they're on 66% as a percentage of their budget. And I think this is about right. I think between 60 and 70%, obviously that's quite a big margin, but depending on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve, I think it's about right. TV's the biggest driver of reach and mass awareness. So I think it is the best platform to reach people. I think I read somewhere that's about 90% of all adults in a week watch TV. So it is a good environment and it's the most trusted as well, significantly. Mm. 
We've got a question here from FI Maximizer. Looking forward to this one. Interested to know how companies like FI measure their ROI, customer acquisitions with media such as TV and radio, as opposed to digital channels, which provide direct impression and conversion data such as page search, social media ads and SEO, etc. So this is an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is a good question. I think it does fall quite similarly with the past ones about econometrics data. Definitely for TV, but that will encapsulate all different media types. With radio, so Bob measures TV, whereas there's something called Rajar that measures radio. Until quite recently, instead of having like a black box fitted into your radio like they do with TV, you were actually asked to fill in a huge, huge survey, like a massive book about when you listen to radio, what radio stations you were listening to, etc. They have the same form, but I believe it's online now. But this is only published once a quarter, whereas TV, you can get TV data by minute. So Wow, that is far more granular. Yeah, exactly. It's much more granular than radio. So radio data isn't great, to be completely honest. But there is a lot of data supporting the fact that a lot of people listen to radio and a lot of the time. So I don't think, just because the data isn't amazing... I still think radio is a great way to reach the audience that FI are trying to reach, particularly as it's significantly cheaper. It's much cheaper than buying a TV. Hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about TV earlier and like you said of adults uh, watching TV. That's decreasing a little bit, isn't it, though, because of the likes of Netflix and Amazon? Or do you kind of consider those as part of the TV world? No, so they're actually bought separately. And yes, TV is decreasing. but I reckon it's not by the margins that people think it is. And also when you buy TV, which I'm not sure if FI has done, because I haven't seen anything personally, but you'd normally buy video on demand or catch up TV alongside your linear TV campaign to get that incremental reach or to build that incremental awareness. I don't know if FI are doing that. I haven't seen any evidence of it personally. But no, you are right. TV is declining, but I think it's going to be the biggest reaching platform for most of our lifetime, if I'm completely honest. Between that and catch up, yeah. Got a question here from FI Jack. If you could pick one person to be the face and voice of FI's TV ads, who would you choose and why? That's a very hard question. Has to be Sancho, doesn't it? (laughs) Really? I can't think of anyone else. Who would you pick? Footballers don't really ever, they're not really ever part of gambling campaigns during their, their game time you know sorry i think that was more of a joke like i actually have no idea i have no idea i have no idea i was like this guy works in media (laughs) (laughs) no honestly i have no idea peter crouch would be a decent one i did actually think of him yeah he could be a good one i don't actually work in the creative industry so i'm not equipped to answer that question unfortunately very political yeah i also thought of ray winston as well taken from bet365 massive transfer yeah exactly that could cause a bit of controversy, maybe. He might even pick up some media points, get him on the platform. <laughs> but yeah, no, I honestly, I couldn't tell you that. I think at the moment, it's a woman, isn't it? It's an FI employee that they've used oh, right, in the advert, okay. yeah. But they've used John Watson's voice before. So not too far from them having like a, an ambassador, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just before we move on, I need to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic. They're a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage with amazing reporters like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein. And I mean, you've got to subscribe now because FI have essentially added The Athletic 
to their media buzz scoring matrix as of the start of next season, the season coming, I think you should definitely subscribe. So if you want 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig, F-I-G, and it's £2.99 a month if you go for their annual deal. I need to ask you the fated question here, Index B. Things that have cost you more than £2.99 recently. I actually bought a slush earlier that cost £2.99 exactly. That's a rip-off. Yeah, I think it's a bit overpriced. That's I mad. expected it to be a pound, but in 34 degree heat, I couldn't say no. You pay for the coolness as well, you know, it's not only the flavour. Yeah, you pay for the coolness, but it did last about 10 minutes, whereas uh, a month's subscription lasts anywhere between 28 and 31 days. So the athletic, I would have rather have paid for that than that slushy, to be honest. Yeah, that's the answer I'm looking for. Something that costs exactly (laughs) the same amount of it and saying I'd rather have bought that. I don't know, what have I bought? I bought some... Isn't your leg hurting? You haven't been out of your house, have you? Yeah, I've got this bad ankle at the moment, but no, I have been out. I've been going out since, since Saturday, so six days I've been hobbling on it pretty much, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I've spent a lot of money recently, actually. In fact, you know, when I had my ankle busted, I couldn't eat or cook anything, couldn't even stand up. So I was ordering a lot of food. I had a bad, bad week of eating. So I'm not even going to go into it. It was terrible, terrible. <laughs> I regret it. Question here from Old Man FI. With that level of investment, so you mentioned that you've got a £3,000 portfolio what's your trading strategy to maximize profit if you don't own a lot of players do you experience FOMO and how do you manage that I really like that question I think it's a good question I think on Twitter we see a lot of accounts with massive portfolios I think those are the ones that get the most exposure just because everyone's kind of interested in what they're doing so I really like this question but I think since I've started my strategies kind of changed when I first deposited 50 odd quid and was depositing 50 pounds a month or whatever I was doing I was quite focused on getting that capital appreciation obviously if a player moves up 50p then at the time it was about three gold day media wins so it was big but as I've started increasing the size of my portfolio to where it is now about 3k I quite like having a very mixed strategy so I've got players that I'd buy for IPDs like Manure and I've got players that I can see rising a lot. And then I've also got players that will just return a lot in dividends in terms of performance buzz or media. Mine's very mixed, but I think there isn't a right or wrong answer to the question because I think it depends on how much risk you want to put into the platform, what you're looking to gain from the platform and stuff like that. I'm very much like, I won't be happy losing money, but if my portfolio increases only by a small percent, then I'd still be happy. It's better than it's sitting in a bank and I'm having fun alongside it. So I think it very much depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for like an alternative to betting, then I think IPDs are the way to go. But if you're happy with a slow investment, then maybe maybe a player that you can see improving in the future, but yeah, I think it's very dependent on personality. But yeah, personally, I like going for a mixed portfolio so I can get that fun factor, security almost. And how's that developed since the start of your FI journey? So I think when I first signed up, obviously I had a small amount in there and I was seeing between like 3p and 50p go into my account. It's not that exciting. It's still exciting winning performance buzz or media buzz or whatever. But when you see like such small amounts go into your account, it's not that exciting. It's not like you can 
reinvest it into a player or reinvest it into a new player or whatever. But I think as I slowly started increasing my portfolio because of confidence, and again, I'll put this down to advertising. When I first started, it was like a small company that I hadn't seen advertised anywhere. So you don't really know how much to trust it. But as soon as you see it being advertised, you automatically gain a bit of trust in the product. And then so I kept on depositing and realized that even though it's still small amounts, if I do win like £5 or £6 off of dividends, whether it's performance or media, that can be reinvested into players. And then that's when it got a bit more exciting for me to win media at dividends, I guess. Yeah, I think it's only normal to kind of I don't know, like at the start, you're very much looking to find your feet, find your strategy through whatever, right? Like whether it's buying players and seeing them rise. I think you've obviously said that you got most excited from buying players that you have an edge in or you know and like have a vested interest in as a a Brentford fan. And that's been the most exciting and most enjoying thing for you. Yeah, no, exactly. What do you find the best strategy is from personal experience? I mean, for me, I'm kind of like a medium to long term trader and I am always looking for who are going to have like the most explosive kind of dividend and I guess growth potentials in the next kind of six to nine, 12 months. So I'm very much looking for the players that I know are, I think, in my opinion, are going to be extremely good in real life, but they're also going to translate into a MBPB player. And whether that's kind of like now in the current format that FI is in or in the future. So yeah, I mean, if you've kind of looked at the history of FI and like who the players are right now at the top, you can kind of slowly see a pattern emerging of like, well, if you find the next big one, then you are going to be in for a lot of money. And I think for me, like I'm just buying undervalued players who I think are going to be future dividend returners, no matter the price or whether they're 50p or 15 quid yeah yeah. you know in the past 25 quid then for me it's kind of judging the player on that price and looking at whether or not they are going to be very explosive from a returns and capital appreciation standpoint in the future yeah i completely agree that's a fair way to look at things i guess (laughs) if you're earning money off of your investment you should be happy regardless of whether it's five percent or 300 percent i've got a question here from dill bro Yep. As a smaller portfolio trader, what would you recommend as being the optimal portfolio makeup? So a number of different players, staking levels between those players. I think one of the questions that I always get in DexB is, how many players should I have? Is it better to have a smaller amount of players and more futures or less futures and more players? So what's the kind of strategy for you in that sense? So for me, I've got, I think, 20 or 21 players at the moment. And it's quite similar to the last question. So I've got a massive mix up of my portfolio and what I want each player to do and achieve. I've got my players that are short-term holds, which is very minimal. Most of mine are long or mid-term. The reason why they're long and mid-term is purely because of the fact that the product's going to grow so significantly over the next few years. So I don't think us as traders need to focus too much on our portfolios or worry about them. As long as you're not buying a 33-year-old who plays in the Chinese league or the Arab leagues, then I don't think you have a huge amount to worry about. I think everything will be okay. Yeah, I guess it's what you're comfortable with. If you want to be risky and potentially earn a load of money, then you're going to have fewer players, maybe like even up to four players, and then put all your money on the big guys. But then if one of them gets injured, then you're pretty screwed. 
or you can be pretty screwed. I think it's very dependent on how safe you want to be. And I also think you should be investing in the players that you trust and expect to do well. Mm. Got a question here from Paul Grover. What percentage of dividend winners, so he says circa top 10, 20 players, make up your portfolio? So similar question to old man FIs, but slightly different. So it's a good question because I think this comes down to effectively who you comfortable with or confident in and that would definitely be Trent so I think Trent makes up about a fifth of my portfolio which is quite a bit that's in terms of spend I think that he's kind of fits in my criteria of being young dividend winner and potentially can see a increase in price so I think he's probably the only actually no do you know what him Werner and Kai Havertz are the ones. Out of my 21 players in my portfolio, those are the ones that I see as dividend earners. Got a question or last one here actually from FI underscore FPL addict from the Discord. Does working in the media make you better equipped in any way to trade or understand FI better in relation to the media aspect of Football Index? Unfortunately not. (laughs) I think media is a massive, massive, massive industry and there's so many things that can fall within media. But unfortunately, I don't I don't work in... So there are people that do work in press within my agency, but I don't work in press. And even if I did work in press, it wouldn't be related to the editorials or what's being posted in these newspapers and magazines and stuff. So unfortunately not. I wish it was the case that I did. I have a bit of an edge on everything, but no, unfortunately not. <laughs> unfortunately not. Don't we all wish that? <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Mate, you're fantastic. Really great insight into the kind of media worlds and kind of buying media and especially in relevance to FI. Where can people find out more about you? My Twitter page is at IndexB. I'm definitely going to be tweeting a bit more about the advertising environment and stuff like that. I think I've only done two threads so far but I'm going to continue doing so. One bit of exciting news is that I am planning to release a media review each quarter. Oh wow that's awesome. Yeah and Fig I'll send you a signed copy as well so you can can tuck in (laughs) but I'm basically going to go into much more detail in this review so that you can kind of understand a bit more what I'm saying and basically compare it to other advertisers and You can always see what FI are doing and I guess it'll give people a bit more confidence in FI as a whole because they know where their money's going. It's not just going to Adam Cole or his staff, it's actually being reinvested into media. I'm quite looking forward to publishing it. Well, if you ever need a place to host it, hit me up. Definitely. If you don't have a blog already. (laughs) No, of course I will. Thank you so much for joining, mate. And thank you all the listeners for listening. Hopefully there weren't too many sirens. I think there was an ice cream van this time. If you're commuting, doing whatever you're doing, then have a great commute. Have a safe one as well. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, then keep washing your hands and staying safe. Sorry to get to answer all your questions. As always, there is quite a few. And as mentioned throughout the show, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only but we can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and have a great day. <laughs>